0: I'm Seattle Times City Hall reporter Dan Beekman.
1: And I'm Seattle Times Assistant Digital Editor Gina Cole.
0: Let's talk politics. Welcome to Episode 20 of the Overcast, the Seattle Times Weekly Politics Podcast.
1: Today we're talking with Seattle Times reporter Christine Claridge and Seattle Times Visual journalist uh, Lauren Frone about their reporting on the women's marches that are happening both in DC and in Seattle in reaction to Donald Trump's inauguration.
0: We're here with Christine Claridge, Seattle Times reporter. Christine, you reported and wrote a story this week about the Women's March on Seattle that's taking place Saturday, the day after Donald Trump's inauguration as president. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to report on that story and why?
2: My colleague Nicole Broder had written about the Pussy Hat Project um, in which knitters are making hats that look like little cat ear hats and taking them with them to Washington, D.C. for the women's march on washington huge national march the day after the inauguration it's
0: supposed to be one of the the biggest marches in us history i think i saw somewhere mm-hmm. that's right they're expecting it to be huge
2: and a, a lot of people didn't know that we have a small we have a, one in seattle the same day the same time that's being held in solidarity with the national march so initially i was just writing to let people know hey if you can't get to dc we have one here uh-huh
0: And and so that was the initial idea, just let people know. But when you started reporting on it, what what were some of the interesting things that you found out about or or heard people say when you were talking to women about their plans?
2: Well, one of the biggest things is that Seattle is going to be the third largest. So they're expecting to be the third largest march held in solidarity with the Women's March in the world, actually. Third largest in the country after the one in D.C. and the one in L.A., expecting 50,000 people, some people will question those numbers because they're based on people responding to the Facebook and to Eventbrite and just saying themselves that they're interested in going or that they're going, and those are not always perfectly reliable.
0: So. Yeah, some of that might just be sort of a, a social media attendance so you can post on your wall, you know, I'm, I'm all about this. And it doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean you're going, but I suppose there could be people who will show up who aren't doing that on Facebook too. So
2: Right. I think it would be, I would not consider it still a very good showing if half that number of people came.
1: So what did you learn about why this march is going to be so big in Seattle in particular?
2: Well, Seattle is the, um, is drawing from, it's the biggest city in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's a liberal city. It's a progressive city. It's a great city for women's, a uh, women's march or for issues of any people who feel threatened by, are vulnerable to what changes could come from a Trump administration.
0: And so you talked to a number of people who plan to go, right? Uh, What things did they say about sort of the feelings motivating them or what they hope to get out of the march? Uh, You know, a march is a march. Uh, Donald Trump will still be president after the march. What did they say about why it was important to them?
2: For organizers, the most important thing about the march was to get people connected to Um, advocacy groups that are established, have good long-term strategies, and have been working for years, long before Trump ever you know, even thought about running for president. They've been working for gay rights, for um, women's rights, for reproductive rights, for refugee protections for years and years and years. So organizers thought, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's get these women and men and other people who want to stand up for human rights, get them connected. So that's the most important thing.
1: Some of the details of the Seattle March are really interesting, uh, one of which being that it's completely silent. Um, how did the organizers come to that uh, come to that decision to have it be a silent march?
2: It's turned out to be a controversial decision. Um, according to the organizers, it initially came up when they were having some of their planning meetings and the person who's the mistress of ceremonies suggested why don't we have a, a silent march and The organizers just said a chill went through the room. So they're like, ooh, that could be so powerful. But as it turned out, it's probably the most controversial piece. Uh, Once that was posted on Facebook or the plan was made known, there's been a ton of people who've been like, how dare you try to silence women who've been historically silenced? This is part of the whole deal. We're not going to be silenced. So uh, how it will turn out, how noisy it will be, I think is going to be one of the things that we won't know until Saturday.
0: And it's not like this is... Some kind of a f- official. I mean, this is a grassroots march that you can choose to participate in or not participate in. And although you said there, I think there's a mistress of ceremonies. It's not like she has any actual authority. So I assume people will kind of do what they want, right?
2: That's right. And and the organizer said, "Hey, this is a request for silence. We think it would be powerful. We'd love you to abide by it." But they've been losing on the social media campaign. There's been a lot of. What is that? It? a flashback from that. What's the word for that? Anyway, a lot backlash. of backlash, backlash, <laughs> a lot oh, of backlash. Yeah. People just saying, no, we're going to be loud. So I, I think I, I just am curious. I'll be curious to see how many people come yeah. and how quiet or loud it is. Uh, and where is it going to be? What's the route? Uh. It starts at Judkins Park, which is up kind of in the central district. If you look on the map, it's basically very close to where I-90 and I-5 meet. It's a little tricky to get to. It's a little tough. And their their objective was to have all those advocacy groups be able to spread out so that people could do that. That was what was good about that location. Then they're gonna march through downtown and then over to Seattle Center. There's people should be able should be prepared to take taxis, Ubers and Lyfts at that point because it's a four hour march, three point five miles, it's gonna take at least four hours. You might be tired and ready to just go home after that
1: are there um, anything is there anything planned in particular at Seattle Center once people get there are you expecting kind of people to hang around and rally a little bit or just disperse
2: I think there will be some rallying uh, but I also think people will be uh, there's not a lot planned because people are expected also to leave the March at various points it's it's accessible to anyone you know with wheelchairs with strollers all these things but not everybody can make it the full way, so they don't expect the same fifty thousand people necessarily to make it all the way to the end.
0: And it, it's the women's march, uh, but there will be men participating also. It right. sounds like
2: right. And in Seattle, they did a something that's different than they did in any other city. They spell women with an X: W O M X N. That X is. In particular, to make sure to as a nod to the inclusion of transgender women who have been historically not included as meaningfully in things like this, and also a nod to the intersection between all the various kinds of of discrimination uh, you know that they they pile on and they may, it can make it worse and more difficult and people more vulnerable
0: it so what about um some of the other controversies that have been sort of bubbling up around this. I mean, it's politics and it's identity and it's so obviously um, people are going to have disagreements and and debates uh, about various aspects of it. Um, Are there other things that are sort of bubbling up there on social media or elsewhere?
2: You know, that's it's funny, you know, nationally that that has uh, it is an issue. It's a question of whether. Organizers did not want it to look like a white woman's march. And again, in the past, a lot of the most important organizers, influencers of the women's movement have been white women. And partly that's because you're in a position not everybody has the luxury to be an activist. You know? mm-hmm. If you're working... In a minimum wage job with kids you may not be able to take your nights off and make calls and do such so it's it's been seen as being over white women educated white women are seen to have been overrepresented in the women's movement organizers are now trying to very intentionally change that balance so that more women of color are represented but that has led to a word, I mean, there's been some butthurt involved on both sides. Um, people who have, are like to be activists also tend to want to be thanked for their social awareness and for caring. And so if if they're told, well, you're not, you know, you should care, but we're not going to clap for you or make you the most important. Right, like they, what, do you
1: want a cookie right, or something? Right, you want a
2: cookie, you want a gold star, what's the deal? Can you just show up and not be the most important person? Mm-hmm. And that goes so sorta of for all the sides. I mean there've been white women who've said, I don't feel I feel insulted, I don't want to go anymore. And there've been black women and women of color who've said, I don't want to go if it's all white women. And nobody really, you know, they're trying not to let that over, you know, take over or ruin the, the march because there's also people who say, By gosh, if we can't just do a march together, how can we fight this administration together?
0: So. Yeah, and I guess that you know, to take a step back and think again about what this is all about uh you know it may feel sort of like a historic moment where um you know uh donald trump will have just been inaugurated and that's such a huge change and uh and then it'll be probably a pretty powerful sight to see thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh marching through seattle and they'll i guess they'll have various different messages but if you had to distill from what you've heard what the main thrust of the message is, what is it? Or what will it be? Yeah,
2: I, I was thinking about that. I thought it probably, if I was going to name it, I would have called it um, people against Trump who want to stand up for each other. Like, I think that's the bottom line is that you they want to march and say, we're not sure what your agenda is, Mr. Trump. We are not sure whose rights are going to be threatened, whose access to certain health care or this is going to be threatened, but we will, we're going to fight you. And when you come for our sister or brother, we're going to stand up, we're going to lock arms and keep you from taking them or making them register or taking away their rights. I think that's really the bottom line. And I was sort of sorry to see it got get caught up with a little bit of language problems. But
1: Well, it'll be certainly very interesting to see how the march goes this Saturday. Christine, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
3: We're here with Lauren Frone, who is one of the Seattle Times visual journalists who produced a video talking with women who were moved to protest for the first time after Trump was elected president of the United States. Let's hear a clip.
2: On election night, I was like so overwhelmed with emotion, namely rage. Like maybe all the small things that have been going on around us just wasn't enough to wake people up to the real big issues. I've been totally
1: depressed and
0: in disbelief
1: and outrage since uh, November 8th. I mean, a lot of women like myself are like kind of stirred out of our complacency.
3: So Lauren, what inspired the idea to do this story?
4: Well, we were seeing on Facebook how many, uh, how many people were RSVPing for the Women's March on Seattle, and we were interested just to find out, like, what, what some of the issues were that people, that was drawing people out to the streets. And, and when we were speaking with some of the organizers, we kind of realized that there were a lot of people that had maybe never really joined a protest before. I mean, Seattle was kind of like a protest city, there's protests all the time about everything. Um, But, but it seemed like this was fairly unique. Um, The organizers of the, of the March that happens on Saturday actually put out a call on their Facebook page asking like who, who's first time marching like, you know, who's doing this for the first time. And they got about 80 responses, like right away, like within an hour. Wow. Um, And we reached out to some of those people And um, we went to one of their events also uh, before that, and and several of the people we initially met, like, just by being there, were like, yeah, I've never been a part of something like this before. So then we were like, this is a really interesting angle when they're expecting, you know, 30,000 or 40,000 people to be marching through Seattle. Like, how many people are there for, like, the first time doing something like
0: this? So so in talking with with those folks, uh, what's your sense, or, or maybe it's different for, for each of them, but what's your sense of why this has made them uh, become active in this way for the first time?
4: Well, one of the women and we interviewed, Patty King, who is 72 years old, and she's a textile artist out on Whidbey Island, she phrased it as, you know, we've been stirred out of our complacency. I think a lot of people were watching it unfold, um, the whole election season, seeing, you know, Hillary Clinton's campaign versus Donald Trump's campaign. And it wasn't until she lost the election that they really realized that they were maybe some of the people that needed to have their voices heard. Um, one woman, uh, Chantel, she said that she used to just keep her her opinions to herself. Like, you have your opinions. You know, I have mine. That's fine. Um, but then... She was like, "No. Apparently, my voice needs to be heard because it's not being heard otherwise."
0: Uh, I'm curious. The people you spoke with, uh, did they talk about? Had they all voted in the election, um, or or were any of them kind of like, "Whoops, uh, maybe I should have paid more attention to that," or?
4: Uh... <laughs> I think I think all the women we interviewed had voted. They mm-hmm. uh, most of them were were Hillary supporters were really devastated after she lost, for the most part.
3: Um, Lauren, did you get the sense that most of the people you talked to plan to continue um, some sort of political activism or being active in various causes after the Women's March? And what were those plans, if any?
4: Yeah, so um, uh, Chantel, she actually thinks of the march as sort of a first step in continuing her activism, and she is really specifically interested in connecting more with like younger Black women that she knows, and and kind of being an example for them. That was the way she she saw herself, versus like Patty King, who was like, I, you know, it's late in life to become an activist, but I'm hoping that people at the march inspire me to like learn more about issues that I didn't even know I cared about at the time. So I think a lot of people see it as like a first step to organizing and connecting with other women who share their same concerns and seeing where it takes them from there.
0: What did they say uh, about, um, uh, president elect, uh, soon to be president Trump and women? Uh, what did, you know, <laughs> what did they say about that, that they're, that they're afraid of or concerned about or angry about or in specific? Oh,
4: uh oh, oh one woman, uh Tommy Kurahara, she she's Japanese American and, and she said that uh this isn't related to women specifically, but like the moment when when uh President elect Trump earlier in his campaign was talking about having a registry for people who practice the Islamic faith or, or possibly banning Muslims from the country, that she saw that as very similar to what her father and his family experienced during World War II. Her father was interned in Idaho during that time, and and she clearly really doesn't want to see that happen again. She believes that was like a a, a very big mistake and a terrible wrong to do to people. Um, And Chantel, she's a mom, and she's when when President-elect Trump that tape came out of comments he had made about groping women like she thought of her sons. like uh, who's going to set an example for my son they're going to hear these things other men might echo this mentality so she was really concerned for like what sort of example is being set for her young son
0: yeah and I, i think um was it patty or or maybe one of the other people you interviewed who's in the video um i think you talked to them while they were making um uh, something, some kind of um, prop for the march? Am I remembering that wrong? Or
4: Yeah, that Tommy was making hands for some giant puppets that huh. they're making for the Women's March, puppets that depict important figures from history and civil rights and social justice. Um, uh, everyone was kind of making something. So um, Aria Astro was making a sign that they intended to take to D.C. with them. Um, Patty was making, uh, she's a textile artist, so she was making pussy hats for her and her friends and her boyfriend. Oh, yeah, a lot of people are doing Yeah, so she found, like, a perfect outlet for something she already does using recycled cashmere, in fact. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting how a lot of them were, like, doing, like, hands-on sort of creating things while they were talking with us. Wow, so this really sounds
3: like you know this march is just the beginning it's just a launching pad for a lot of different issues and causes um it'll be really interesting to follow the activism that comes out of this march and and over the next four years um lauren we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today
4: yeah thanks yeah women are are very fired up around here for sure
0: yeah and hopefully people uh will watch the video and um uh, you know, it's a nice piece so check yeah out.
4: absolutely
3: yeah um and for those listening you can find the video on seattletimes.com and we'll have a, a link to it from the post of this podcast on our website as well
0: thanks for listening to the overcast and thanks to our guests this week christine claridge and lauren From.
1: As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review.
0: You can contact us on Twitter at dbeekman at gina underscore cole underscore. Email us at SeattleTimesOvercast at gmail dot com. Call us and leave us a voicemail at 206
1: Thanks, and have a cloudy day.